This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to La Formation Lab, as they would say in France. My name is Luke. I'm your multicultural man of excellence. And basically, I wake up and I urinate racing. Tim wakes up and he takes a dump consisting of entirely engineering. Tim, how are you doing? Um, I did not see any of that coming, so I'm doing great. Uh, that was that was a uh, Willy Wonka curveball that I just did not know where we were going to land in the next <laughs> word. Uh, so you had me had me going there, bud. Uh, uh, but no, I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm I'm jazzed. Uh, yeah. I think uh, this uh, this past weekend got you and me fired up to really uh, knuckle down and get together late at night to get an episode out because holy guacamole, what is it? Was it ever a good weekend to be a racing fan? It really was. I mean, look, uh, the Singapore GP is kind of getting a reputation as a knuckleball, a screwball almost, right? So screwball for our non-baseball fans is a curveball that breaks basically the opposite direction because it's thrown by a lefty, right? So when you get adjusted to the curveball, which is already, you know, plays with you by just doing something different, here's the screwball, and it does a mirror image, right? So it's like a double like (laughs) – that's what Singapore is at this point. I feel like it's like it it it's not a it's not a season changer all the time, but and it's not always the most exciting race. Not every screwball has the best break, but like it's enough to make you go eh, and raise your eyebrows. I think that's the it, reputation it's building. It is. I I think it's an interesting test. It's a it's a cool test of balance through the city streets. Um, it's a really tough week and on the, the drivers themselves because of just how stinking hot Singapore is. That's Which why I, the race I, is hosted at night. I do think it is funny that like you look at like the forecast and it's like, oh, they're finally getting a touch of that Midwestern heat. Great. This is if you ever wondered why they don't race in Miami around the same time as they race in uh, Montreal, because it would be hotter than Singapore. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it gets pretty hot. Uh, and so at night, uh, it's sweltering. So it was, oh, it's brutal. It was, yeah, it is brutal. So it's interesting to see how the engineers deal with it with the cars and how the drivers deal with it with themselves. Um, because they lose kilos upon kilos of, of weight yeah. well, uh, and, throughout and, the weekend. And I could speak a little bit on person to our American viewers. When you see the numbers in Singapore, they're hot, but they're not like, oh my gosh. But you have to remember that a lot of these drivers, they come from, you know, areas of Europe that don't get that hot. Uh, I see something similar in Minnesota, in areas of Canada that I go to where it's like, yeah, dude, if if you're like average July high is like 80 degrees when it hits 97 and humid is crap, Tim, you go, yeah, that's, that's hot. People who are from those latitudes where it doesn't get as warm are dying like four times worse than you are. So it's not just that it's a physical test. It's a physical test to uh, a group of people who normally are the, like some of the least equipped for it biologically uh, because heat is all about what you're used to, you know, at least they're not conditioned to it. Like that's what I'm trying to say is they're least acclimated to it. Yeah. Yeah. They're least acclimated to it. So I know I was in uh, uh, the Fort Collins area of, uh Colorado a, a couple years yeah. ago and it was the summertime and I know my friend was uh was like uh, like nearby in Fort Collins or lived nearby and she posted oh it's so hot today I can't believe it and 
And she did make a, a very nice post about climate change. And I'm absolutely certain she's right. Um, but it was it was the 85 um, yeah. Oh, yeah. and and in the mountains. So no humidity whatsoever. Yeah. Um, we get, we, and we so, get that up here, too. It's 82 and like 50 percent humidity. And they're yeah. like, I can't do this brutal. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. And I went for a jog and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I was like, this is no heat whatsoever, like compared to the because, you know, we had averaged like 104 uh like for two or three weeks uh in st yeah. louis like in the lead up to that so my only thinking was a this is heaven and i can see why you guys all move out yeah. here and b y'all are soft yeah and um, if and, and if you're from a hotter climate climate and you don't understand the struggle that these drivers are going through it's the inverse of what happens when you picture it being 40 degrees out because as someone who lives in a northern latitude 40 degrees is shorts weather you go to you know Las Vegas or Texas, and they're wearing hoodies at sixty. It's it's hey. it's just that, but in the opposite direction. It is yeah. all what you're acclimated to. But anyway, that is all to say that it's an yeah. interesting engineering test yes. to see how the cars can get through the weekend and the drivers can get through the weekend without breaking. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah. of times they do, like we saw uh, in the lead up in qualifying uh, in Q1, where Lance Stroll decided to end his weekend early. Um, and uh, well, he saved us the trouble of needing to you know be bored by him yeah. <laughs> on the track oh yeah I, and you know i'm just i'm just not like well that's right one now. last thing we got to worry about i will um, say uh we're we're laissez-faire but it's i'm glad to know that lance is mostly okay he's gonna miss he missed that race he will miss another race i think but it's good he, to know he's okay but he may yes uh yeah. but but it's it leads me to something interesting luke uh-huh. and and here's the thing i would like to talk about lance troll first because yes uh he crashed out and ended his weekend early but he also had the virtue of finishing last in the grand prix as a result because he didn't compete and uh you know therefore he's last therefore he's first according to our show rules Ah, uh, um, yes. So uh, I am also starting the, the race breakdown with this, um, but we don't have to go by that schedule. I think it, I just thought it was no. kind of funny. Um, no, yeah, but my, my my thinking on Lance Stroll is that um, there, there's a lot going on that's wrong at Aston Martin right now. Um, they... I, I have that as like one of my notes here. Let's talk about Aston Martin, dude. I... Let's talk. it. Yeah. I, I just thought, so I know that you went with the recap, but I just, I figured I would bring this up first Yeah. Um, because I, I don't know what the future looks like for these guys. Um, Lance Stroll, it's been, it's been uh, rumored and I saw it on Reddit uh, and uh, I guess on X now uh, is what they call it instead of Twitter. Uh, Nay but... Twitter nay twitter yeah that's what we're calling it oh it's just formally twitter before it got married to old muskrat oh boy um so anyway uh i've seen uh, some rumblings that that lance stroll is just completely disinterested um in formula one at this point he is not engaged at all it's been a common problem where he gets bored um and he just doesn't really care he doesn't have the commitment to be a rich kid gets bored with a fancy toy kid gets bored with a fancy toy the classic (laughs) tale the classic uh richie rich and uh and all that stuff Um, i i I will say like i don't think he's the worst driver on the grid but i think you could solidly even if i was lance stroll and i had all the faith in my own in my own talents even i would go yeah, I don't think I have what it takes to be anything beyond pedestrian. Beyond pedestrian, and his his results this year have been abysmal. They um, have, they have, they, and it's like so bad. Like Alonzo is just wiping the floor with him, 
And it, I, I thought it was interesting uh, too. So uh, there were also rumblings that Aston Martin is starting to, I think, um, I think actually, yeah, I'd like to bring this up too. They're falling off uh, to McLaren. And I think the glaring reason why is because they have no earthly idea how to develop that car because they copied it just like mm-hmm. they did when it was the pink Mercedes, they copied the Red Bull. And so they, now that they don't really know how it works, because philosophically they didn't figure anything out, they didn't yeah. fi- earn it for themselves. So they have no idea how to improve upon what was just given to them. Um, the, the classic is, tale. Um, yeah, and so, is, yeah, it's a great point because what that you see that a lot with the back marker teams, right? The teams that clearly copy things, the teams that we all know will never really win a championship. Your, your hosses. All right. Your alpha Tauris, uh, for example, um, which we'll get into that controversy later. Um, you see them bring in upgrades. Same thing with Aston Martin. And the miss rate is a lot higher. And some of that is just that the top talent goes to the top teams that pay the top money. Um, at least in but, the non-budget cap era. But some of that is just Haas didn't design that car. Alpha Tauri didn't design that car. Red right. Bull designed that car. Alpha Tauri copied it. And don't have as intimate of understanding as the Red Bull engineers do. Right. And they they the thing about the engineering design philosophy, and Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, this is how I understand mm-hmm. it. It is really tough to understand and develop on an idea if you don't understand the whole philosophy behind it. And yeah, it's hard it, it, because with a guy like Adrian Newey, Adrian Newey operates in the same way that I do, where I run a bike shop. And when people come in and they want to talk about bikes, I'm not talking to them about bikes. I'm not running a bike stop in the traditional way. I'm running a hospitality place. Mm-hmm. I'm running an experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the difference. It's a completely different philosophy. And if you don't know how to, you know, continue yeah. with that, you're going to mess it up. It's I would liken it to almost um, like a movie, right, where a a director ultimately has the do that again do that again a director is arguably the most in touch with what the statement of the movie is now you can bring in another director to make a sequel to the dark knight right but only he can make a beat for beat remake of the avengers but only christopher nolan has the intimate knowledge of the context of the way reason he did the little things of the reason he used this angle and not that angle that maybe Joss Whedon would have, you know what I'm saying? Like it's almost like an art where you can have another guy come in and copy beat for beat scene for scene what the movie is, but it's always going to miss the flair, miss the essence behind the scenes in the intimate details of the engineering Right. And at the same time, too, if you bring in um, you see this a lot with Marvel movies, I would say, well, maybe not Marvel movies, but movies that are in large series where it's like you get another guy to come in and it feels a little disjointed because director A wanted to make this movie like this and director B wanted to make this movie like this. Star Wars is a great example. Right. I know that in the next movie that Ray has to do this, this and this and I can shoot it. 
But if you ever watched the new trilogy, it is disjointed as heck because you had three different guys trying to react to the guy ahead of them's idea. That's what it is. It's literally just the new Star Wars trilogy. I was going to say, and and that's, I think, the right there. They tried to be George Lucas, and they were really J.J. Abrams, and they should have yeah. just made a J.J. Abrams joint, but uh, but they wanted it, to exactly. take George Lucas's joint. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, you get guys like me who completely don't acknowledge that new trilogy. And then, and then Williams is the abomination. That makes Williams the Ryan Johansson, Ryan Johnson. We are we are working way too hard for this because analogy. they're working on the sloppy thirds of oh, the George Lucas. <laughs> there, here we go. There, there it is. But okay, you you um, get you get the you get the analogy though. It's yeah. like it. The more cooks you have trying to follow up what the previous cook made, the worse. You just need one cook. And if you had your own car from scratch, it might not have been as competitive immediately. Yes. But if you're Alpine or not your Alpine, if you're Aston Martin and you have basically FU money, um, you have top dog level money, uh, especially in the cost cap era. Yeah. There's and- no you, you could have had a clearer path forward. Yes, and also had, because yeah. you have the same path forward as Mercedes, guess who's going to develop your upgrades first? Exactly, Mercedes. You're never going to catch them. No, and you know that that's that's the the risk inherent <laughs> with having manufacturers this be this powerful in the sport. Um, but anyway, that Spe- neither here speak, nor there. But to of, say speak- that is all to say okay. that Aston Martin is going to continue to fall off because they have no idea how to develop that car. Um, and so you're seeing a bit of boredom from Lance Stroll, um, and think, you're also you're also seeing an interesting move, I think, from one Fernando Alonso. And I think he he did a complete 180 this weekend. In on in one of the practices, he said, "This is a beautiful car to drive. This is great. This feels awesome." And then Sunday in the race, this car is undrivable. Uh, yeah, I think he was trying to reinvigorate Lance Stroll and kiss Lawrence Stroll's at, or uh, yeah Lawrence Stroll's uh ass so hard that was 150% political and the thing that just tickles me pink about it is that he is going for just an open dishonesty at the yeah. place where he was busted for at the same track where he was busted <laughs> for, for uh, manipulating the ending of a, of a, of a race and uh, just manipulating <laughs> the ending and, you know, being, making political moves. It's yeah. the, just, it tickles me to no end. Uh, speaking of which I do want to, I do want to highlight, I'll get back to the Fernando Alonso, but I do want to highlight the um, Bernie Ecclestone opened his mouth over the weekend where he was oh, talking about great. Felipe Massa <laughs> trying to get Felipe Massa trying to get uh, his championship after, you know, crash gate. Yeah, He's trying to get that legally reinstated. Right. Uh, and I believe he even reached Bernie out to Lewis Hamilton, didn't he? Yeah, Bernie Ecclestone opened his mouth and basically said, well, you don't want to do that because otherwise Mercedes could rightfully claim the 2021 championship. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, oh, I, I think fair. Well, I mean, he would just be climbing back yeah. up to six. So, <laughs> not, um, to, not to get off that, but I do think, I think Fernando Alonso is – my respect for him groweth because he knows that he is the only fire in that team because Lance Stroll doesn't have to not race. Right. So there's a certain, I don't 
care attitude, I think, that kind of permeates the team. Because if you are Oscar Piastri and you suck donkey nuts, your job's on the line, buddy. Congratulations to Oscar on that new contract. But Big Mac if you're Lance contract. Stroll and I... you're sucking donkey nuts this year, I, who cares? And I think that attitude is contagious. So when Fernando is fiery and openly kissing ass and openly this car's dog shit, I think there is a little bit of politics being played of like, guys, we need a fire lit under our ass now. Maybe. Uh, that, I, that almost, could, you, I you, almost see that as a leadership thing. Yeah. Who is the leader at that team? I would say it's Fernando Alonso. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he or Lawrence Stroll going through terrorizing everybody, um, you know, like the goon he is. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't know, man. It, it's. Uh, let's, let's let's move from one just, customer it, team to another. Say, up let's, the grid. Let, I don't think that. Yeah, I think they're going to slip out the back. And I think that there's there's going to be a whole lot going wrong at Aston Martin very soon. Mm-hmm. I think I would I think I think so. I think we're in for a rough ride for them. Let's move Funky. to another customer team, another uh just copy that team kind of team. And that is Alpha Tauri. Um Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri, not a great weekend, dog. Not no, gonna lie. That not, was not uh, great. Um Yuki nope. Sonoda goes kaboom uh with a DNF. And uh I will say there was some intrigue here because if you'll remember in qualifying, Max Verstappen was called for three impeding penalties, the worst of which happened to Yuki Sonoda. I think arguably the worst looking offense was Yuki Sonoda. The, the most but, egregious. Yes. Guess what team out of all three of those teams that were, you know, aggrieved, so to speak, Somehow, Alpha Tauri was the team that didn't go in to testify against Max Verstappen. Gee, huh? Can't imagine why that would be. This is why this is why Alpha Tauri just kind of like irks me a little bit is because it's like, dude, they're not. Oh, who cares? A separately be, run team. They're going to be soon. You know, it, Rebel doesn't care about that. They're not a separately run team. You know, oh. I, I can't. I. I. It yeah. urges me a little bit because it's like you get you can't just be play, it, playing both be. sides. Yeah, yeah it, you could. It, it definitely you could. I don't know. I don't think. I think I, I think this is a foregone conclusion that that's going to be a different team here in a little bit. I, I don't really see any benefit to if it's a um, different team under a different badge. Fine, but if it's still owned by Red Bull, it's still the same problem, right? Like, yeah, it, it could be. It could be the same problem and. But at the same time, it, I don't. Well, no, because if the ownership's different, it, it's not owned by Red Bull. They don't have that pressure to to bow to it because yeah, that's no. If the ownerships, if the ownership is yeah, Red so, Bull, the problem persists. But if they right. sell it, then fine. Then then um, who cares? But, but you know, I, at this I point, just, yeah, it was interesting, yeah. and it's like don't ever testify against the Almighty Max. Yeah, actually, just, here's an interesting question. I just like from a competition standpoint, it doesn't sit well that that is still allowed to go on. What's your question? Oh yeah, no, it, it's it's terrible uh, collusion, terrible. <laughs> um, but but my my it's, it's actual, literally bush league shit. <laughs> literally bush league shit. Um, but you know it it doesn't. Does it really surprise you? No, absolutely um, not. All that much, especially uh, the considering the type of organization it is. And here is the question that I want to pose to you. Okay. Given recent comments from one Helmet Marco, 
Everybody's um, least favorite piece of safety equipment. Everybody's yeah. least favorite piece of safety equipment um, that could have could be seen strongly <laughs> as he he referred to uh, uh, Checo Perez as you know being uh, South American, like, so a yeah. little bit lazy. Well, like, and then, not- yeah, a little bit lazy. And then didn't he refer to him one time as being like extra passionate because he was from? He's overly pa- South he's America, from South America, so he's overly Mexico passionate. is not South America, uh, right? Um, and North America and Central America, actually, both of those I would have accepted, but you know, uh, he I don't know, I don't think he likes Americans either. Um, no. but but he he said that, and uh, you know, obviously racially motivated things, <laughs> um, you know, generalities and stereotypes at, at, at best, racism at worst, um, neither of which is good, yeah. uh, but. But do you think Yuki Sonoda would have testified if it was Checo? I think Yuki Sonoda probably would have. I think he would have too. I I, I don't think Red Bull gives a crap about Checo Perez. No. I think, and I don't think they, it would be. Met, I think that's it, and I think that's why yeah. it's not racially motivated. They just don't fucking like the guy. Yeah. Uh. I. Yeah. Uh. And this is why this is why wrist guards Marco is we stand wrist guards Marco, but helmet Marco. Please, Drake me. Uh, moving up the grid, um, because you mentioned Checo Perez. He is a man who I think is on a hot seat, uh, not just for obvious reasons, because this has been kind of a dog turdy kind of year for him as as far as being the, the wingman to the champ is, but because we had a heck of a story. We're jumping up to number nine. Liam Lawson. Heck yeah, baby. freaking good. <laughs> He's pretty doggone good, man. Which leaves um, which leaves yeah. Red Bull the stable, as it were, as it were, the scuderia, right? With uh with Max Verstappen, guaranteed a seat, Checo Perez, Daniel Ricardo, Liam Lawson, who has proved himself uh more so than some of the rookies on the grid already. Some of the guys who have had one or two full seasons, Liam Lawson's proved himself over, I would think. Uh and uh it's a uh, Yuki Sonoda, like they have five drivers and only four spots. And the, they're like, well, we might want to put Ricardo in and season Lawson a little further. Mm-mm. I think, I think Checo is the odd man out. I think oh, Checo yeah. drops. Checo drops and they put um, Liam Lawson in that uh, Alpha Tower seat. Um, yeah. And, and Ricardo's back at Red Bull. Yeah. Lawson's at Lawson Sonoda at Alpha Tower, which yeah, is a think- bad. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Checo's out. The, the, there is no helping him, even though yeah. I believe he's on a two-year deal. Um, <laughs> they can get out of that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah, that's Red Bull. Um, but I don't know. The other thing that's interesting, and I, 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 I think merits a question, is how much appetite does Red Bull have an, as an organization have for continued support of F1? Hmm. Without Dietrich Mateschitz. Okay, this is a this is a tough question. Yes, because Dietrich Mateschitz was obviously the man. He was he built the Red Bull brand, and when you get a corporate more corporate ownership away from the founder, founders are usually not great at extracting perfect profits, whereas boards are usually not great at understanding the company while you're extracting maximum profits right uh founders do long-term good uh long-term brand good 
and corporations do long-term brand bad but make more money. Uh, I, I, Steve Jobs I would hope, Tim Cook and Co. Yeah, I would hope, I would hope that Red Bull understands why it is where it is in the beverage game. And I would hope that they understand as a core what their brand is because their brand is extreme sports. It simply is. And maybe not even extreme sports, but sports as a whole. Soccer, F1, mountain biking, snowboarding, skateboarding, that's their brand. And if they want to pull that funding out, it it's like NASCAR choosing not to race in the South. It's like that is your brand. Um, I I would hope that they understand. Here's the thing, too. I mean, right? they, they are selling off the Alpha Tower team. Well, maybe I I'm under the understanding it might just be a new it might just be a badge. I'm, oh, I, I, that is, I but anyway I I would think that they understand that the person who is most associated with your brand is Max Verstappen, and the person whose face we're putting on every Red Bull can in a gas station in the United States. Yeah, but I've seen companies do stupider things. I. Red Bull, to me, relies on Formula One in a way that Mercedes doesn't as a company, as a beverage company. Their extreme sports branding has taken them from the level of like, are you You remember Rockstar Energy Drinks? They're the number three beverage in the world, non-alcoholic. There's a reason they got there. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, I just feel like from a brand standpoint, Red Bull is so ubiquitous that ubiquitous who, with what though with with our lexicon our uh, with society like at, at what, large what? more people are more likely to have heard of Red Bull than Formula One for people, sure. Well, here's my thing though: is who does Red Bull want to associate itself with? Well, no, I, I, I understand. Young, like, it, it's a, I know I I totally understand and, and agree with you. What I'm saying, I just is, I just um, don't know if there's a know, better the, marketing campaign available for them than Red Bull, and I don't know if I would th- I think it would do almost irreparable harm to their momentum and status in the soft drink game to pull out of Formula One. I'll, Maybe uh, we're getting off into I, business. Yeah, talk, I was gonna say this yeah. is a little bit, um, um, but what? But I will say, um, if you're is ever, it's if interesting you're, at the times okay. uh, with the times currently at Red Bull, it is very interesting to see uh, everything we're seeing. I will um, say, if they pull out, they won't do it until Max loses. I don't think they'll pull out as champs. No, yeah, Max would have to so lose, like, and things so like, would have we, to be. We're on talking the like twenty twenty eight at some point here. I don't know because that is the other half of the news from the Red Bull camp this weekend, which is going into this weekend. Uh, FIA regulators decided to be a little bit stricter about the flexible stuff, a little bit mm-hmm. stricter about those flexi wings. Um, so Red Bull uh, obviously had to obey the rules and go with a new wing, um, and. Their their pace dropped precipitously. Um, now mm-hmm. it could be a few different things. I know the Red Bull came out and said it's not the flexi wing. Uh, you know, obviously it's not that. We just got the setup wrong. Um, you know, and we weren't able to dial into it this weekend. And it, not dialing into it for me would be them being within, you know, ten percent 
they got bludgeoned this weekend. Bludgeoned. Uh, yeah, look, all right, missing missing Q3. Missing, is, both missing Q3 on merit. Yeah, is ridiculous. I've That's a bad fumble. Two things. One, uh, <laughs> we talked. This is the screwball of the latter half of the season, right? It's not always the best race, but you always kind of raise your eye when Singapore comes around. Um, which I we have I don't know if we've mentioned Singapore was a phenomenal freaking race. Uh, but uh Mercedes did the same thing more than a few times during their run of dominance at at Singapore. And two, Tim eh, Verstappen still finished up in P5. Yeah, but Luke, that car the whole year has been so dominant. Max Verstappen has taken that car and gone from far worse than where he started and won handily by by half a lap. That car has been a locomotive. Nothing has gotten in its way. It has been unbelievably reliable. He was at 11 in a row on the trot. And it looked to be a dawdle. And he Mm -hmm. could not wrestle it beyond Mm -hmm. fifth. Here's, Here's where I'm at. I will indulge your overanalyzing once they struggle in Japan. Is is well, that's going to be the thing. If I this could just be the it look, and I am willing did, to eat did, crow. Did but we I'm say just... that Mercedes had no pace whatsoever and was a shambles of an organization after Germany twenty nineteen? No. <laughs> I sorry, it took me a second to. You gotta look, man. It, you know, I I know that oh, you've been you. driving that automatic you. for a long time, but you got to clutch before you shift on me that hard. That's a, what, that's a what deep I'm cut. saying. What I'm saying is, when a great team has a terrible weekend, right? But a terrible weekend on on pace and on merit. Germany 2019 had a lot of wrecks. Like Hamilton wrecked twice in that race. Germany 2019 with their with their terrible throwback livery. He he missed oh, the pit was, exit. It was that's the worst freaking. That was a hideous livery. Right, that was a. It was, oh god, that was a terrible livery. Um, but he they had this just god awful weekend. Red Bull just got it wrong. They were just legitimately off the pace. They were slow. Did we react? Did we like like just absolutely go go ape crazy when Lewis Hamilton qualified second in Singapore of that year and then <gasps> dropped? Two places down to fourth. Max gained six places. I was gonna say, did, uh, hang on, let me try to rack my memory with the race details so I can annihilate that example too. Look, I'm just saying, I, I have not seen it before where a lack of pace was that raw the whole weekend. I will give you that. That was a stat. There is missing and, it, and, that's and then my there point. is like kicking the wrong direction on the field. Right, and it's and to me, it's 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 interesting and implement oh. uh, and maybe you, uh, you, know. you cut out there, you cut oh, out there. Yeah, sorry, uh, but I think I, you I were gonna say, you, to, I think you were now? gonna say that it was it was okay. prep. Oh, uh, hold on, no, we're waiting. Uh, we're waiting. We're we're almost here. There we I are. Think okay. we're, we're and we're back. Um, no, so uh, my. I don't think I think prep, it was I think. I think it was not down to preparation. I don't think it was that at all. Okay, what do you um, think it was? Down I to? think I think there is more to it about that flexible wing and how it allows 
air to flow throughout that car that -hmm. gives it such raw pace. Now, I am totally happy to, you know, if, hey, if they show up and it could just be that, that they show up in Suzuka this weekend and they just rip it up and it turns into that locomotive again. But man, the the car, I don't know about the the listeners, but the car I've been seeing the whole year has been this just unstoppable locomotive that goes through the field like a, a hot steak knife through uh, melted butter. It mm-hmm. is just so quick and yeah. it is so overwhelming that, you know, it just did not have any of that this weekend. And I've not seen that big of a power out power outage in a long time. Yeah, I again, again, I know I actually put this on a thing. How much are we analyzing? I think it's over analyzing. If it here's the deal, here's where your proof is in the pudding. You're going to prove it in Japan because Japan is also a very technical track, arguably the hardest circuit on the calendar. I love it for that. If anybody gets the chance to watch Super Formula in Japan uh, that races on uh, races at Suzuka, it's the most entertaining race because it just tests the rivets out of the car. It is high speed. It is uh, 40 millimeter, 40 meters, not millimeters, 40 meters of uh, elevation. And, you know, it's just, it's up, it's down, it's clockwise, it's counterclockwise. It's crazy. It's a great test of a car. Yeah, I, I, if it, I will, I will press the Tim is right button if you're, if I see them struggling in Suzuka, but I just, I, I don't, I've been conditioned too much to overanalyze one race, Tim. Yeah, you're right. No, I'm not. And I, I get it, man. So that's why I'm saying let's hold up because I love Suzuka. Suzuka always in mm-hmm. my heart is a fun race uh, because I love the Japanese fans. Uh, and somehow I, I forgot. Huh? Somehow I forgot we have one more Middle Eastern race in the 2022 schedule. <laughs> 2023 yeah. schedule. I was going to say, it is 2023, though. Yeah, we got to go back to Qatar. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, we do. Uh, but, hey, can we just... Can, I know for the listeners, they're probably bored up to this point. Singapore was such a fun race. Can we just talk about why? Let's let's celebrate why. Let's shall celebrate we? why. Let's Please. celebrate why. First off, Carlos signs with a master class. Tim, uh, take it away. Uh, he, he Certified was, 100 he IQ moment. Bli- oh, no. Million IQ. Uh, so, and that, it was such a beautiful move. So, and to, to set the stage, you actually yeah, have to stage. go back way back when to, to the you know, practices where he was lighting up the timesheets and then the qualifyings again, he was just a, a locomotive out there. He, he couldn't be stopped. Um, and in the race, he was just poised and calm and he made that, he made the tire strategy work for him. Um, mm-hmm. and toward the end of the race, uh, his tires were dropping off precipitously. It was, uh, Carlos first, uh, Lando Norris second, uh, George, uh, Russell in third and Lewis Hamilton in fourth. And the Mercedes were chomping in the early, uh, late forties into the early, uh, 50 lap, uh, marks. Um, they, they were just taking huge chunks, like five and six seconds out of the lead, uh, that Lando Norris had on them. Um, so the uh, Mercedes had fresh rubber and they were just coming, uh, like a, like a freight train. And I don't know why I'm talking a lot about trains tonight, but you know, Hey, that's just the mood I'm in, I guess. Um, and they were coming for, uh, Lando Norris and Carlos signs in the car sees all of this happening and asks about the time gaps to the Mercedes to see that they were coming really, really quickly. 
Um, and so he makes a genius move and takes his foot off the gas and lets enough time slip between him and Lando so that Lando can uh, stay, get within DRS range. Um, once he gets within DRS range, he can close that gap uh, to, to Carlos. So Carlos makes a gamble here, and it's kind of beautiful. On the one hand, it is a shrewd defensive move to get uh, your the little guy uh, to stay within enough DRS range because you know that he doesn't have enough the tires paste. to pass you, mm -hmm. and he and you know that he uh, can be just chum for the Mercedes to burn up their tires on trying to pass on a track that's hard to pass on. Mm -hmm. So he keeps he keeps the bait there. On the other hand. If you look at it a different way, and it's going to be impossible to tell which is in Carlos's mind, although it's probably both in a kind of beautiful racer type of way, that's his buddy. Um, and he knows that if the Mercedes get to him, he's going to uh, get gobbled up pretty quick with how much mm -hmm. time has been taken out of him. So he gets him within DRS range to close the gap a little bit so that Carlos can put his foot down again and Lando can draft behind him and keep up and they can just ride away into a, a one, two. Um, because the, when it's the, when it's noticed by a Ferrari that he is taking his foot off the gas, all we see is that Lando is starting to catch up to Carlos. That's all you yeah. see. And this is the beautiful part about it is that that all that math is going on and you don't know a thing. All you do know as the as the viewer is that you are he is get, losing his gap to Lando, and Ferrari's like uh, Lando is at point eight. Uh, Lando is right there at point eight, and he says, "Yeah, I know it's on purpose." Yeah, and what and, 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 and Luke, I think that might end up going down as one of the best lines of the entire year, if <laughs> not will. a generation of F1 drivers. That is yeah. going to be an iconic radio call. That that is that's a line that honestly is going to come up in that Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, that's on purpose. Yeah, it's on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so okay, here's the brilliance too. All right, is not only did he do the mental math of well, I think the number was like they need two seconds of pace to even just get past you and even with drs he ain't gonna have two seconds of pace but it puts that proposal of you tag along with me to lando norris is it puts it's the best possible move for lando right lando is put in a you have no option other than to accept because either we finish two three or realistically three four or you work with me and you finish second, you're not going to get the win, but together we can pull a little apes together strong kind of thing here and uh, just fend off. And honestly, that was just, uh, that was one of the best move, like uh, intelligent racing moves I've ever it's, seen. It was just, it was just a 300 IQ move. Like mm -hmm. it was just, yeah, it's on purpose. Like, yeah, that that is just like I have done the math. I'm good. Uh, you know, you guys can sit back and relax. I got this. Um, and it was and it was just awesome because Lando kind of got the contract. Like that's his boy. Yeah. Like and, and, and Lando understood the assignment. <laughs> he understood the assignment. The assignment was stay on my ass, and when they get close to us again, defend your ass off. Um, yeah, and because and they can't get around both of us if we're both blocking. <laughs> exactly, and and so Lando and Lando defended it beautifully. Uh -huh. uh, Lan like I think it was with eight laps to go, George made a dive, and Lando just planted that car on 
perfectly on the edge of the racing line and kept him out uh, of there, kept him out of there. It was just fantastic. Um, it was on the edge of your seat racing for the last third of the end of the race. It was set up beautifully. It was kind of fun all throughout the whole show or all throughout the race. And, and in the last third, it was you, I did, I could not stop watching. I was glued. It was just a, a, uh, yeah. a mono. And, and there you go again. But um, uh, I, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's wild to me uh that the real highlight that that had yeah um, yeah the real highlight that that had to me though tim uh is that i it almost like highlighted to me like hey this is what it could be like it highlighted yeah. how poor the rest of the season was the the, the rest of this season has been can, so apocalyptically bad can i just say something here this is going to be controversial this is a luke hot take okay i'm um, buckled is it fit for I don't, consumption? I don't I don't mind midfield battles. I enjoy cars battling anywhere. Okay. But when people say that this season has been good because of the midfield battles, that is one hundred percent snorting raw hopium. That is that is cope. That is one hundred percent copium. It it is. It's it's not been great. Um it's been it's been quite boring. Every um, time I see that take, I roll my eyes. It's it's been pedestrian. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Um, you know, and but, but this, this really but this did just highlight really how, like, what it, what we what we could have. Um, it, yeah, if we had legitimacy. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, real quick, this will yeah. be like a two minute endeavor, if that. George Russell. Can <laughs> I get an F in the chat for that? Who? <laughs> okay. Almost, almost, almost tremendous comedic timing. To be honest with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I got. I got thoughts. Uh, I got thoughts about that, and I got thoughts about Ferrari. But let, let, okay, uh, okay, so you let's... pick which direction we go, because this is more than two minutes. Oh gosh, um, you give me thoughts. Okay, which one can we use for next week? Uh, probably Mercedes. Okay, uh, we will. So yeah, we can we will use analyze George Russell next week. Okay, tonight we am. Tonight well, no, we it's talk not. About... It's it's not George Russell. It's Mercedes. Mercedes. Okay. Yes. Um this is this is a team aspect kind of thing and not a uh specific at a boy kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh but we do want to highlight give a shout out to Ferrari who again uh I think basically called as good of a race as they could have. Um the only thing you could really change was bringing them in to get a tire change when Mercedes did, but that would have handcuffed them. Uh but I mean, understanding that Singapore was what it was and that you're gonna have to back up the field, great. Uh Carlos signs, and maybe this is what you're getting at. Does it seem like he almost usurped the throne? Yep. That's uh <laughs> that's uh that's exactly where I was going. Um I, I genuinely think they sacrificed Charles Leclerc. Um I think they that there is now a new number one. Uh which at, I like Charles Leclerc, but dude, how can you look at it's Carlos, the, dude? When, when, when Carlo, when a nitty comes to gritty, Carlos signs races, and Charles Leclerc folds like a lawn chair at your aunt's Thanksgiving dinner, man. <laughs> yep. With all due respect uh, to Charles Leclerc, he's not mentally tough. 
He's uh, not. No, he he lacks that that killer edge, and I think that for everything that Carlos has been through, through you know getting ousted at at Tor or getting booted from Toro Rosso to to Renault, and from getting cut from Renault and having a fight to get to McLaren, and then to to get the opportunity of Ferrari, the the guy has. A, a drive to win that is that and drive to to compete that is kind of beyond um uh, got other guys on the grid i think well beyond them um i think that his ability to develop cars is really really good uh he's been every single team has benefited uh developmentally uh when he's been there and i can prove that uh in another episode but uh every single one has benefited along the way um and i think that the engineers he probably he's probably better embedded in the team than charles is um because they that he he is that passionate and i think that just seeing the 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 over and uh just the fire behind hugging him and and how fired up they were for him um yeah i i don't think there's any way around it he's he's their clear number one yeah uh and if they if they won't say it carlos signs if even if they don't treat him like it carlos signs has been i would argue the better driver the more killer oh, driver definitely for, since the for, the since the summer break, for sure. Yeah. Uh, before the summer break, they kind of bounce back and forth, but it has been a sound beating um, after the summer break. Hey, let's uh, talk about a team bludgeoning. with. Uh, let's talk about a team with two good drivers, and yeah. this will be our final topic for the Singapore recap. Then we have a little bit of uh, indie car housekeeping to do. A little bit. Um, how much do we like McLaren? Because I feel like they are. We had some dark days there that we may have overreacted to at the start of the season maybe you, not overreacted to they were dismal they, i feel they like they're so closer bad. now to winning than they have been for years i feel like this is as close i've seen them to the sharpest end of the field that that, that upgrade a, that they brought to the great up, britain well and the one been, since uh, and the one know. since then it's it, i'm like they look like a top end team they, they they don't look like they're in that gap anymore they look like they're up there it, they're they're both up there and you know lando's doing lando things and oscar's not turning in a bad performance like he's no. not doing too bad um, it's hard to so, it's almost easy to forget oscar piastri is basically a rookie he exactly uh he, he for all intents and purposes he is uh yeah. actually no he is he rookie. is <laughs> um so you know it's kind of it is kind of wild uh that in his first year he's doing so well uh but i'm encouraged by you know he did. He did respectably this weekend. Um, overall, yeah. on the whole, when you look at it, so uh, we were, we were I would about... say that uh, yeah, no, McLaren. The the future looks bright again, and I'm glad that their engineering uh, folks got on it and fixed the issue. We were about ready. I think McLaren fans were about ready to throw Zach Brown off the boat for a second there. Uh, well, I it's mostly for the drama, you know, like for the what, drama. Yeah, Oscar Piastri stuff, so, the Daniel so Ricardo stuff. That brings and... us okay. First off, he is one of the I that might be the first team I've ever seen to successfully close the front runner to midfield gap. Like the he, I think he's done it. I think they've done it. They've closed that gap. They jumped from one end of the chasm to the other. Right. Yeah. Um. Here's my take. Here's my understanding, and this could be misinformed. I'm not on the inside of this. Alex Polo is great. I mean, he's now a back-to-back IndyCar champ. He is like the second coming of Scott Dixon. We are in for the reign of Alex Polo. Whoa, that was a lot. 
I mean, two time champ. The, yeah. the kid, the kid's good. All right, his he, average, <clears throat> his average. What was his worst? Good. What was his worst finish <clears throat> this year? Hold on, while I while I look that up. Okay, he also needs to fire his agent because he almost. Uh, made the jump to McLaren. Then McLaren didn't have an F1 path for him. So he de-jumped back to Genassi. Then it was a whole thing. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? Like it was yeah. a whole thing. Um, I think Oscar Piastri was the, uh, was the wrench. They, they did something with Oscar Piastri. They saw his sim work or they did something. And went, Ooh, Ooh, this kid, this kid good too. And I think yeah. that's the wrench. I think that's the wrench that gave us all this drama. It, and it and that very well could be. Um, it very well could be. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I can't. He had a lot of drama, so I'm not like. Oh, I'm not, so aggravating! So uh, aggravating! I'm not. I'm not looking past that. But how can you look at the work that Zach Brown and the team? It, Zach Brown's not technically it, the team principal, feels, but he's the team principal. Um, it, how it can feels you? How can you look at like, that? Yeah, it and feels not. genuinely like they uh, they tried their best. The the agent tried their best to do a football transfer window, you know, snatcheroo, uh, uh-huh. like one of those shenanigans things. Yeah, here's okay. Here's here's the stat I was looking for in a twenty uh, in a twenty six car field. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh wait, yeah. Alex Pelot's worst finish came in St. Pete and Iowa. Just a tragic, tragic race he had there. Where he finished his season worse, eighth place, eighth place. Yes, I get it. He's very fast. He's very, no, very. I'm cool. just. That, I I saw that stat uh, when they were doing the finale, and I was like, "What? That's a silly stat, dude. That is a it silly is, stat. It is. A but silly anyway, stat. dude, he's good. <clears throat> and I, I don't disagree about your Scott Dixon. Uh, you know. Uh, parallels. Okay, you know, okay. He's okay. just. Good. I see he's the fast. early parallels, but I, I, I know what you're gonna say. What? Get back to me when he's raced for 20 years and has six championships, and then we can talk about Scott Dixon. I think he'll have more than that. I honestly think. I think. I he's think too he, good. I think he could be in the. Five I mean, six honestly, he, he, he just there. There's. There has to be better communication with him and his engineers. Yeah. There just you know has to be. You know what's crazy is Scott Dixon. If he didn't get punted in Long Beach and finish in twenty seventh, uh, he actually had. If you take that out, Scott Dixon had a higher average finish, and actually, probably you could argue would have won the championship or came close to it. Yeah, or, but the thing not is, even you, second. You he could have can't rule it out, so we won't. He, you won't. Right. I'm you saying know, that like, to say that Scott Dixon is still Scott Dixon. Right. Why would you ever to, doubt? But he's Scott also Dixon. Scott Dixon who got twenty seventh and missed out. He got wrecked into. He got. What was Alex Pelot's lowest again? Oh yeah. Well, I think it was Renus VK. Was it Renus VK? I think it was Renus, I love VK, Renus VK. Literally just freaking. I love Renus VK. Them. I know. I never say a bad thing about Renus VK. Uh, he's he your is, home dog. He's my home boy. He's your best friend. <laughs> he gave me the greatest Gateway 500 present ever. Yes. Uh. So. Or Bomber I love Renus VK sorry. too. Uh, it's I love uh, Renus VK too. Night and it's, I've uh, been on my feet for 12 hours, so yes. I apologize. I'm a little rambly right now. That brings me uh, to one of our last two points. Um, yes. Roma Grosjean is not going to be with uh, Andretti next year. Ooh. He says he's a professional driver. He'll land on his feet. Um, will he find an IndyCar ride? I'll be honest. 
I got to take a little bit of a victory lap here because as much as I like Rogro and as much as like I do want to see Andretti do well because they're such a legacy name, I think both you and I, Tim, we we can take credit for uh, being among the common sense people who said, oh, oh, and Roman and Andretti. I, yeah, I don't expect Roman to mop the floor with Andretti. No. Yeah, I uh, I just I don't know who he'll land with. I. I, I think he might I think one of two moves. Um I think he'll either end up with a lower tier team who can use that sponsorship money. Okay. Like a like a Meyer Shank or something, right? Or he's just gonna semi retire into IMSA or WEC. I think that's more likely. Yeah. Semi retire. That is more likely, and maybe he'll race every now and again. Um, um does this yeah, change? His, I mean, he had some inspired moments this week this year though. Yeah. Some yeah. really inspired ones. Thinking specifically Detroit. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and he almost actually he looked in tune to grab a win in um in Long in not in Long Beach in Laguna Seca, uh, yeah. but he had to pit and Laguna Seca was an absolute uh, trash heap of a dumpster fire of one of those races. Um, yeah, and not to say did, it was a, not to say it wasn't entertaining the too. Yeah, not to say it wasn't entertaining, but yeah. um but uh I I just I don't know, there's some some teams where I'm just like I think you can I think they could use him, a Meyer Shank, you know, an yeah. RLL, but will he do it or will he just go race the much easier insert or WC schedule? Much easier. Um Travel around I with th- his kids. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's about what he's going to do too. And then that brings us to our last one. And Tim, this one has um, international implications. implications. International implications. Um, Andretti wish- Autosport. <laughs> it would is be not- great if you would edit in like the the like a British spy theme right now. Oh, <laughs> it. Hold on. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. Dun, 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 dun. International implications. Andretti Autosport is now Andretti Global. What does That's this right. mean? right. They have it's global re- ambitions. Yeah, it's a rebrand. It doesn't mean much, but it does mean everything. You it know? It does, and uh, they, they're, there are agreements in place and not in so, place. As is my understanding. And mm. I come at this with a very little insight, like no insider information, but with a knowledge of how these teams work. He would not be doing this and putting up a new, very modern logo if there weren't some sort of understanding that he will be on the Formula One grid. I should mention, too, that before Formula One fans say, Andretti Global only racing... Andretti Global, Andretti Autosport, as of this year, raced in 17 different countries across, I think, six or seven series. Literally 17 nations have an Andretti team, or have seen an Andretti car lap, which is not as much as like a Haas, but like you could argue that they're just as international as a Haas. Uh, yeah, they absolutely are. And I mean, Mario also Andretti, considering that just Mario Andretti himself has competed globally. That's a that's a that's a living room name. Andretti is not only like an American race. They've raced on actually they've raced on more continents, I believe, than Formula One does because they they hit 
Africa a couple times. Yeah. And 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 I believe they had an E Prix in the Arctic too, which I mean, check yourself yeah, Ferrari, okay? So <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, exactly. my point my point is is that Andretti One is already global, so don't give me the uh, they only race in the United States. But I think they did this because if you look at the logo, it's a very Formula One esque logo. It is very they, Formula One. They they I think the, they're in. The, here's oh, where we get yeah. into here's the, where we get into the interesting part. Yes, the FIA uh, basically the FIA and the FOM control two different aspects. It's the FIA's race to run. Okay. And the FOM manages all money decisions. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the FIA says there's open slots. We've done our research. You're in. Thumbs up. Right. Which is where I think we're at right now. The FOM then goes, oh, hold on. We haven't reached an agreement with you, which is where the other teams are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to take a cut out of our pie. We're splitting it 11 ways instead of we 10 need, ways. This is a we problem. We need the, this amount of capital for that. They, they get real crabby right. about another slice of the pie. But there's some uh, some European laws on the books that basically say that you can't just close it off for that reason. You have to allow them to race if you're determined that they're not a detriment to the sport, which the FIA kind of has indicated that they aren't. Now, problem is, is that the FOM gives out your money. Tim, I think you're frozen. Uh, Luke, FOM... I think you're frozen. Oh, hey, I can do Oh, hey, yeah, I can, uh, and there I can see you. Okay. Perfect. The FOM gives out the prize money, though, and they're in charge of the broadcast. Yes. So what I saw is if they're allowed to race, they can race, and it will ultimately be up to the Formula One management. This is a, like, 1% chance of happening, but I think we're all rooting for it because it would be a shit show. Um, if they have an agreement to race with the FIA, they'll be in the race, Right. But if they don't have an agreement with the FOM, it's up to the FOM and all their broadcast partners to make sure that they don't show up on the television broadcast. Because if they do, then you're broadcasting their IP and there's legal legalities involved and you can't broadcast me because I didn't give you permission because you didn't give me prize money. Right. Which means that Andretti be might very interesting. I really want it because the question that like the, the thing that would happen then is you'd have oh, to we're not like, gonna get there. It's all black be bars over the starting. You'd have to cut away. We're you know, they're running a Hollywood team and they no one it noticed be, the well, I mean you notice the Hollywood team a little bit, you know, if you were watching practices, yeah. but how okay, but how are you going to do a race start with Andretti starting like P nine and you can't show Andretti? Yep. <laughs> I I want this to happen because it would be such a crap show, dude. Like that would oh. would not get anything from it other than just spite. But I think when it comes to negotiations, the fact that that's a possibility is ridiculous. Like that's ridiculous. Uh I, ridiculous. I think that gives them all of the a lot of leverage, if you will. Completely so I think agree. that's I think that's our bullshit bullshit that we are rooting for. Okay. I'm rooting for absolute fire and chaos. Tim, let chaos reign, as our uh, super producer Dylan would say. Let it be a, a pants off good time. Yes, you may and proceed. never say that before your HR department, or else you'll get fired. Yeah, yeah. Remember, <laughs> even though everybody the podcast, knows, everybody HR knows Dylan doesn't mean anything sexual by it. He just that's his thing. Yeah, no, you just want your pants off. Have you ever yeah. had a poor time with your pants off? I'd rather not go into that with you on this show in the public. <laughs> <laughs>